Do you like true crime mixed with dark humor, angry rants, and hot takes? Then why aren't you listening to Fatal Tales? I'm Katie. I'm Azra. And we cover all sorts of true crime cases, as well as weird, evil, and downright fatal stories in our Tiny Tales episodes. If all that sounds great to you, make sure to listen to Fatal Tales wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, be gay and don't do crimes. Or at least, don't get caught. The Stuff of Nightmares. Hey, what's happening everybody? My name is Rick, and I'll be your guide on this little journey to get your true crime and paranormal fix. We'll be talking about everything from monsters in the closets to monsters next door. So make sure you keep an eye on your neighbor, you look under your bed, you check your closets, because the stuff of nightmares starts now. Every day, people all over the world encounter things they cannot explain, things that terrify them, and things that defy logic. But not everything can be rationalized. Not everything has a logical explanation. Not everything can be proven by science. In fact, according to Dr. Ethan Seigel, when it comes to science, proving anything is an impossibility. It is a theory based on a lot of evidence to validate a specific idea over a period of time. He states, nothing in science can ever truly be proven. It's always subject to revision. If that in fact is the case, why are some people so skeptical of things that cannot be explained? Over the years, dozens of plant and animals thought to be extinct have been identified. Just last year alone, California Academy of Science researchers discovered 71 new animal and plant species. So is it out of the realm of possibility that people are seeing cryptids, UFOs, ghosts, and Bigfoot? To those that have seen or experienced these unknown phenomena, It is real and terrifying. Many choose to keep their experiences to themselves for fear of being ridiculed or ostracized. Many are looking for validation from others to ensure that what they saw or experienced was truly real and not just in their head. And then there are those that know what they experienced and want to help others by sharing their experiences. These are their stories. New Mexico is full of history and lore, not only because of Area 51, but because of all the legends and history surrounding the 23 Native American tribes that call it their home. To those that live there, and even those that visit, New Mexico is a hot spot for the unknown. There have been written and oral accounts of experiences which range from little people to Bigfoot, La Llorona to Chupacabras, and ghosts to UFOs. Even though there are scores of people that tell their experiences, to many that call the area their home, it is taboo to talk about those experiences. Luckily, I came across someone's personal experience that really caught my attention, so I reached out to him. He agreed to come on and tell his experiences, but when I spoke to him, he had too many incredible experiences to just stop at one. He is a former EMT that spent many hours on the long dark roads in New Mexico and had many experiences on those very same roads. Good evening. I'm pretty much going to be anonymous on this story, but I will say this is in from northern New Mexico. And I was recently contacted to share some of my experiences with all of you. I do have a lot of stories that I can tell, but unfortunately a lot of them are not mine. Specifically to say, I am collecting them, however, to put into a book. 
which all the parties from fight will remain anonymous. But I can tell you my personal events. And I actually have about four to share with you this evening. So I'll go ahead and do the stories along line and you can follow with that. But the first one I'm going to describe is actually going to be one of the first that I can recall, one of my earliest memories. But it was also um, verified by my mother who retold the story at a family gathering years later. I was already in my 20s and the memory kind of came back to me and I remember the event. And we've talked about it a few times and honestly it did scare her. But this is going to be the first that I'll tell you this evening. Back in the mid-1980s, when I was still very young, at that time of event, I used to live with my mother and my older brother in small town. So, live for the summer days, my older brother, who was about 10 years older than me, was always off with you know, other family members. You know, it was the 80s, so they were out and about somewhere out in the woods, playing, having a ball. I'm just away from the house. So my mother and I would just be alone in the house. And of course, you know, very few things for entertainment, just a handful of toys and whatnot. But I was maybe about two or three. And at this point in my life, I actually used to see, you know, I guess you want to call them shadow figures, ghosts, or what have you. But I would just see them as plain as, as plain as any other person. But at that age, I wasn't, it wasn't really put in my head that you're supposed to be afraid of them. To me, they were just there. So, one thing that always used to hit me was I used to always see a little girl running through the, the hallways. And I found it unique that I would always see her run from my brother's room to my bedroom, never the other way around. It was just, you know, fun. And I used to see little things a lot, but I never would tell anyone. I just assumed everyone could see them. Well, the one day my mother found out about this was it was a hot August day. And like I said, my older brother was out and about. So she went ahead and decided, you know, it, it's just getting too hot. I mean, we had no air conditioning in the house. The only source of cooling down at that time was just get into the car and cruise around with our windows down. I mean, our car didn't even have AC back in then. So she had this idea to, you know, both of us are going to go out of, go out of town and, you know, like get some ice cream, kind of cool down, just enjoy the day. So she went to go find me throughout the house and she found me laying in my brother's bedroom which wasn't that unusual. I used to sleep with my older brother, so that was kind of like our bedroom. But I would be on the, on the floor, the tile floor, just, you know, kind of giggling and enjoying myself. So she looks at me like, oh, this crazy little boy, you know, what's he giggling at? She goes to pick me up and notices, because she doesn't have shoes on, is the spot where I'm laying on is actually very cold. So she froze up when she notices. Then almost like someone's turned on the heat, it instantly warmed up. And then she saw me just rolling on the tile floor. So she ended up following me around the room and she noticed that everywhere I stopped, it was always a cold spot. And actually it truly terrified her. Well, when I told her my side of the story, I said I was following the lady. I said there used to be a lady that would always stand in my brother's closet. From what I can recall, it was honestly like a darkish gray rather than a traditional ghost like a lot of people think about. I mean, nothing malevolent, it was just, she was there. But I figured out at a very young age that wherever she stood, it was always colder. And on a hot summer day, it was to my benefit. I mean, she never, you know, did anything evil or anything else in the house or attempt to scare us, at least not to my knowledge. 
but it was just something enjoyable. And anyway, after I did it about three times, my mom actually picked me up and more or less ran out of the house to go ahead and tell the family members. But all through the years there, I've I've tried to uh, talk with my other family members. My brother remembers very few things, but does know what they happened. My mother, on the other hand, knows more than quite a few, and unfortunately, she's very hesitant to speak of those days. But that was one of the first ones that I can personally recall. And unfortunately, a couple of years later, I discovered when the whole family's seen it that they can't, and this is something that's not normal. And since then, I became afraid of it. And very few times have ever seen anything since. Almost like I tried to block it out without knowing what I was doing at that young age. And it just more or less kind of... It didn't progress, but also didn't completely go away either. It just kind of stuck there throughout the years. And I've never tried to hide it from my family, from, you know, my old crew that I work with. You know, they all knew that about me. And, of course, you know, you give it a hard time every now and then, but... You know, after a while, once they've actually witnessed something, and then I'm just there to verify it, it just seems it's it's more common sense. Like, that's something only he can do. And that's the way they treated it, which I'm grateful for. But I can see if it's far my first memory, that will be the end of that one. So now, is that something that stays with you now? Can you still see things? Uh, how to put it? It's almost like more like you can sense something, like, like when someone stands over your shoulder, and you can kind of just feel the presence. Right. It's something very similar to that. And very few times I can actually see something that's there. But there were some things that I've witnessed when I moved away from town. That yeah, it, it was a curse rather than a gift. But it doesn't happen very often. And I can say my second one that I can go ahead and tell would be from a completely different category. And that was the first of my... Uh, paranormal experiences, but this one was more uh, something more infamous in my neck of the woods. And it's actually one of my UFO sightings. Now, in this neck of the woods, it's not that uncommon to, you know, have people tell stories about what they see in the skies, or sometimes what they come across in, in the forest. It's not that uncommon. It's just much, much harder to get people to believe it. And throughout these years, I would see things off in the distance, but I never really could say for sure what it was, if it was a plane or possibly a satellite or, you know, just something natural that I might have uh, misidentified. But uh, this event actually changed my whole idea about it. And uh, several years back, and I would probably put this around close to about 12 years back, at the time I was working for the EMS service and we were actually stationed at a very far off uh, very far off space compared to our main town it's about 70 miles away from our main base and pretty much the, the definition of out in the middle of nowhere and it's a place that's so small I mean there's no residences around we we're just there to cover the commercial entities within that area so it wasn't really, we had a lot of traffic going through there, or many calls for that for that matter. But it was kind of more or less, you, you got to have a little bit of a breather compared to constantly running in town. But if you were called out there, it was guaranteed you were going to work. But anyway, so towards the evenings, I used to have a partner. He was one of my mentors. And uh, we were stationed down there, and like I said, there was really not much we can do. 
and we were supposed to end our shift at about two in the morning and that was just a whole thing and then it's another hour drive back to town and back to home but he had a he was in high demand because we were so short-staffed at that time he would actually leave about midnight and then go back up in the town and I would be there by myself for two hours which is not that uncommon I've done that before so you know I had a lot of confidence and very little fear of anything at that time however one night he tells me that he's gonna be leaving so I said okay I set my alarms and everything wake me up for two and of course security knows where we're gonna be if everything else so they can always inform me everything I end up taking a nap I do not hear my alarms and I actually oversleep for about an hour so it's about 3 in the morning by the time I get up I was getting kind of hectic at that time just because the weather was getting kind of bad more or less windy and rainy more than anything else Run up the car and trying to get all my stuff together finally I pack up and leave almost about 20 minutes later start heading back up to to the station and back up to town and by the time I got about two miles away I mean the storm had died we got clear skies started at night beautiful it's one of those rare nights where you can actually see everything very clearly of how bright the moonlight was so it was very beautiful right going back home and more than about ha halfway to back into town I was still about maybe 20 miles south of it and uh, I just happened to come across this large opening in the field and of course I'm watching the moon slowly set down to the west and like I said it was a beautiful night and uh, I don't know what possessed me to do this but for whatever reason I did I opened up my moonroof on my car I used to have back at the time and when I looked above me there was a second moon which was completely unusual because I was watching it set in the west and it was still there and yet when I happened to look up on the moonroof there it was a second so I had to you know slow down pull off the road and do a double take and I'm looking at both of them and I'm like this is not right this is completely not right so I said okay well let's apply some common sense to this it's a bright night we obviously know that which way are the shadows following on the trees so there's a lot of pine in our area so I happened to find a few to stretched out to the east and I said okay the one setting in the west is the real moon then what is this thing above me the shape the shadows and the craters all of them were identical but the shadows were the only thing I could tell the difference about and almost the very instant I had the thought I mean everything in my car began to die out my electrical dashboard my stereo everything like the car was just dying like I was low on gas which is very unusual for me to always keep that thing topped off but there it was dying away I'm hitting the gas I'm panicking I'm scared so I honestly don't know what's going to happen. And it puttered for maybe about 30 seconds, which at the time seemed much, much longer. But finally, he just kicked back on. My engine revved up, and I'm not proud of what happened next, but I ended up putting the car into gear and going back to town. And the roads over here are very mountainous, very thick with heavy vegetation. So there's a lot of pine trees, a lot of thick oak brush, a lot of sagebrush in the area. They can easily conceal animals, and we've responded to countless of them that were hit by vehicles. But after witnessing that event, I was going back to town 90 miles an hour, not really caring about what was in front of me, but knowing exactly what was above me. And it seems like every half a mile or so, I would try to look up, and yeah, that, that second moon never moved. Not until I got to a point in the road, which is the highest point of uh, the area, once I reached there, I noticed the second moon above me was gone. But the one to the east of me, or the one to the west of me, 
was just going over the mountains and from there it was getting into the dark shadows of the, the hills at the time but it didn't slow me down I just came all the way back to town and even the glow of the lights from civilization it didn't do much to come for me but I came back and explained to them what had happened I said normally they are usually the first ones to laugh and brush it off but just the fact that I was the one that told them it kind of made them think about you know what happened like you really saw this you really saw this and I said yes I did this really happened so of course like I said we were medics so they take my vitals they you know check everything with me and they you know they found there's nothing really wrong other than the fact that my pulse is really rapid I'm, I'm kind of panicking a little bit and of course we're trying to figure out everything logically from sleep deprivation of everything else and but uh, nothing else was just adding up and even my partner who was now stationed in town you know he verified the story that yeah I was down there he seemed okay when I left and now we checked him out and you know we we don't know what's causing this one and I told him explained exactly the details of where the event was when I first seen it you know how it appeared and what happened with my car well the last form of proof that they needed was maybe something with the car and I might have imagined the rest Oh, luckily for us, my partner and my mentor was also a mechanic. So he pulls out his diagnostic equipment. He spends about the 45 minutes with my car. And then when he came back, he says, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your car. I checked the wiring. I double checked it just to be on the safe side. And there's nothing. It runs perfectly fine. You take care of your cars. I know you do, but I just had to make sure. And I said, yeah, it's something that I've never happened before. I never want it to happen, not then, not since, but it's an event that really sticks with you. And of course I do have to travel the same area because it's one of the few roads out of town. So yeah, every time I go by, there's, I'm still looking in the skies and my biggest fear is actually seeing a second moon like I did that time, but uh, that'll be the end of that one. So when you say you saw a second moon, I mean, it looked identical to the other one that you were seeing. Yes, same size, same shadows, same craters, all in the same area. So do you think maybe it was like a dimensional shift there, maybe? Like maybe you were caught inside a different dimension and you were seeing both? Honestly, have no idea. The only thing that made me question the events that occurred was just how my car reacted at that time. I mean, to have, you know, pretty much your car die out. And like I said, from I'm not a mechanic, but I do know a little bit of what's under the hood. And I honestly just felt like the car was dying, almost like the battery or the alternator was going out. So you were losing power. Just yes, electrical my power. Dropped. My my stereo and uh, my dashboard, everything, the, the lights begin to dim. Yeah, my car begins to putter and I'm chomping on the gas, trying to push the gas pedal all the way down. And I mean, nothing was happening. I mean, if it was a UFO, it was almost like it was cloaking and showing you something that you would think is a normal entity in the sky, like the moon. So that's interesting. And yeah, like I said, if I wasn't watching the moon in the first place, I probably would have never knew it was there. But when I saw both of them, that's what hit me. I was like, okay, you know, I've been in the woods all my life. So, you know, what's obvious at this point? We'll look for the shadows. The shadows will react to the real one. So there was no two sets, like there were two separate light sources. They were just stretched out to the east. So I knew that the one setting out in the west was the real one. 
I just kind of left me point out what was above me. Then, like I said, every half mile, I'm watching the road. I have a death grip on a steering wheel. I'm looking back up at the moonroof, and it was still there. It never made a sound. There was no glow, nothing else I could see from it. It was just like the moon. Hmm, that's strange. Very interesting. Well, like I said, even my, my old crew, we talked about this for hours and, you know, tried to come up with something more rational. But I went through everything, and I said I got nothing to hide, so do whatever you think is necessary. But even they couldn't figure out what it is. And like I said before, sightings in this area are not that uncommon. I mean, we usually have some weird shapes in the sky, some of them different colors. Quite a few of them will actually have multiple witnesses. But this is the one where it was different than the rest. Because now you're seeing something that shouldn't be there. Something big, and you cannot misidentify that just happened to be there. Like I said, that, that feeling never really went away. I'm sure. So, in telling stories, I like to try and keep it versatile rather than sticking with one particular subject. So the next one I actually do have to tell, it, uh, I guess we could classify it as cryptids. Now, to give you a bit of an example, one thing that has always been local in my area it's just what the local people would always call trolls because there really is no way to explain it. But the descriptions that were given over the years have always been more like gnomes. Short humanoid figures that always had some kind of hat and kind of pointy figure to this. Now, their sightings were extremely rare. And a lot of the stories that were told were always done by people of questionable credibility. But there also have been a lot with very uh, credible standings that have told very similar stories. So in this case, I will tell two separate events about these particular creatures. So the first one that I actually have happened my senior year in high school. Now, unfortunately, the event itself I was not there to witness. But I can tell the events that I did. So my senior year, I was uh, on the football team. I was team captain, and the one thing that I enjoyed about my senior year was I had finished most of my classes in my previous years of high school, so I only took morning classes, which is fine by me. I took a few classes for the morning, you know, played basketball at lunch with uh, some of my friends on the courts. If I didn't, then I would just go home, and I was allowed to. But I had to come back in the afternoons because uh, that was football practice time. So I finally was allowed to use the family car and I was taking my stuff and packing up everything back to the school to get ready to go to football practice. So as I'm pulling into the school parking lot, I noticed a lot of people just standing around on the outside. And the first thing that a lot of us think of is like a fire drill. But as I'm pulling into my parking spot, I noticed that this is not a fire drill. There's no organization, you know, the kids are not lined up. There's no one, you know, verifying the students counts and make sure everyone's out. They're just standing around. Listen, now this was actually unusual. So I pull up to the car and I get my stuff out the back, my football pads, my gym bag, and everything I need. And I start walking over to a few of my friends. And I tried to ask what's going on. And you could see the reaction on their faces. They are scared. They're just shaking up. So I'm asking them, saying, what's going on? But their descriptions kept saying that they saw a witch inside. Now, even to me, this sounds like, okay, this, this is not real. I don't know what you guys are smoking on, but, you know, that 
I can't pitch it now. So a lot of the some of the younger classmen girls that I didn't talk to came over and they verified the story. They gave descriptions of a small person, you know, in a pointy hat running inhumanly fast, and they kept insisting that it's a witch. So now I'm scratching my head thinking, okay, everyone cannot be in this joke because these are two, you know, different social classes of kids that rarely communicate unless they have to, you know, for school events or whatever. But just for friends, they really don't speak to each other. So this was highly unusual. So I go walking over to where the coaches are. Now we had the two PE coaches, one male, one female. And then we had our football coaches. So there were three males, additional. So as soon as I get there, I heard the, the male PE teacher openly describe, he goes, it was some kind of witch on the court. And so if he said it, then there was a lot of credibility to it. So our football coach then said that he's going to go in and verify. So he called up three of us, three of us senior boys. And we weren't small to say the least. I mean, we're probably within area about six feet, maybe six foot four close to about uh, 230 pounds at the time. So I picked about three of us to go in there and help them look around. So we went ahead and went in the gymnasium on the side doors and we looked everywhere. We checked the girls locker room, girls bathroom, you know, the stage area, a little storage area underneath the stage, the coaches rooms, you know, the boys bathrooms, the cross space in the attic, you know, where the bleachers were underneath it, inside the main lobby, the concession stands. You know, the bathrooms in both the lobbies, even storage units. We walked around the gymnasium. We could not find anything that would verify the story. So we backtracked and retraced all our steps again, not finding anything. So by the time we came back outside to meet up with the rest of the PE coaches and the rest of the students, uh, the actual PD had showed up. So they were told the story about it. And then they went back you know, along with the football coaches. We were not allowed to enter this time. So we waited outside for about another 20 more minutes. Well, then they came back and, you know, said, we don't know what you guys saw, but it's not there now. So we were allowed to go back in there and change. However, there was a few of us that were, I guess, one of the stationed to watch the ends of the hallway. What the girls went in there and they changed and everything, made sure nothing got in the hallways. And when they left, we made sure we double checked everything. And once everything seemed to calm down, we just went about a football practice, changed into our pads, and went back out to the football field. And by that time, you know, all the excitement more or less calmed down, and I figured that was the end of it. So I went back home, and this happened on a Friday. So all weekend, I've heard some things around town about the sightings, because in this small town, word usually travels very fast. And I was expecting so much more ruckus about it, but... You know, it didn't happen. So I felt, you know, pretty pretty comfortable that that it, it was nothing. And I went back to school the following Monday, and it was like nothing happened. So I figured, okay, we're fine. It was nothing. You know, we went about our day. We went back to football practice as normal. However, that all changed for me on Tuesday. Tuesday morning about 10 a.m., I get called to the principal's office. So... I'm here talking with him and he was just hounding me. He just kept constantly repeating his questions and I said, I don't know what you didn't get from the first answer, but it's not gonna change. I didn't witness the event. I never saw what happened in the field. I just happened to show up after the fact when everyone was already outside. 
but he kept drilling me, kept asking, what did I see, you know, who was all there, that I can't lie to him because multiple people saw me on there, and I said, yeah, I showed up later, but I couldn't get that across to him. So he gets called out of the office, and he's talking with someone outside. And it kind of hit me at that time that I keep hearing a buzzing that was bugging me during our arguments. But I noticed that the, the library, TV and VCR was in his office, and that's what the humming was coming from, the VCR. So I went across and looked where he was sitting on his desk, and that's when I saw the security camera footage from the event. And true to the kid's words, you can see something on that screen running up and down the field, something very tiny, but also very, very fast. I mean, we had some fast kids back then, but they could not compete with how fast it was moving on the courts. And seeing the girls' reaction when they seen it, and you're running, and unfortunately, the definition was not that great, because this was, you know, this was back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and the quality of those things were just horrible. It was still VHS. So I'm, by this time, I'm frozen. I'm stuck to his chair. I'm watching this whole event. And finally, he came back in there and just said, okay, okay, you know, you, you know, you're done here. And he's like physically trying to push me out of the, out of his office. And I'm trying to fight to see more what's on the video. So I keep asking him, can I get a copy of this? Can I see what's on here? Can I finish it? Can I get a copy? But he just kept pushing me out the door. And I said, I don't know. So by the time I got back outside it just stuck with me the images that I saw so I found a few of the girls that had talked to me before like I said I normally won't speak to them I mean that was just you know, we never had anything in common so we never spoke but when I spoke with them about it then asked them about it and gave the, the descriptions over what I saw on the videotape they opened back up and said yes and they gave the very same descriptions of that little creature and which I thought was really amazing and I just wish I actually would saw the event in person but from that point on, whenever I would see the principal throughout the rest of the remaining of the school year, I would constantly ask him for a copy of the video, for a copy of the video. And he always brushed me off, you know, he never gave me the satisfaction of an answer, I guess you could say. But by the time I graduated and I asked him one last time, he denied that that videotape ever existed. And unfortunately, a lot of the, the staff at the time did the same thing. Like, they don't remember the event. So all these years, I kept wondering, well, did it actually happen? Because no one seems to remember. But some of my old classmates that I happened to meet again through over the years, you know, they verified the story and were like, I remember that happening. They said, you were there too. And I said, yeah, I was there, but I didn't see the event as it happened. I just happened to see the video afterwards. But no one really gave more details on what, they, what happened on that day. It's just one of the things that always kind of sticks with me. But and I think I'll end the first part of that, that story right there. <clears throat> when you say it was a small figure, rough guesstimate on height. Uh, if, if I had to give any kind of detail based upon one of my friends who was on the courts at the time and his size, I would give a ballpark of maybe about a little under two and a half feet. And true to their descriptions, it did have the, a pointy head or maybe wearing a hat. Almost like you would picture from the old drawings of the witches in Salem, or the first thing I thought of was more like uh, the hats from the Smurfs, the old cartoon. I mean, pointed to that nature. 
and it was very unique and of course over the years when I started you know just finding interest in all these other creatures and other sightings that was the more that's told, the description for was more the gnomes rather than the trolls they're called over here but if I had like I said the guesstimate was maybe about two and a half feet tall but the speed is something I I couldn't tell you I, it was very fast on that video and unfortunately like I said I know it doesn't do it justice seeing it in real, real life but even just seeing the footage was enough to it, it stuck with me over these years and I've always been curious to find out what actually happened on that day well, maybe someone else will have heard this and have had the same type of experience or saw the same type of thing and reach out. Well, we've actually had quite a few. Like I said, in, in this small town, that's the name given over the years because we actually do have you know a lot of our elders elders now that will give a lot of these sightings that, you know, that they've actually occurred over, over the course of these years or some things that were told to them by their friends, which they hold very credible. So it is something that I'm not sure if it's just you need to you know, to our little area in the world, or if it's, you know, spread out, then we just never knew it. I mean, I've seen, I've seen videos on YouTube or whatever of little beings, and some of them are actually really freaky looking. Now, whether the ones that are on the video are real or CGI or whatever, I'm not sure. But again, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing can take away from the experiences that you have because you were there. Like, you know what I mean? You, you experienced, even though you might not have been there when it ran through, you know what you saw on the video. Yeah. And back then there was no CGI. Yeah, well it was, but it was very in the infancy and you had to be rich to afford anything remotely close to that. Exactly. Not only that, they wouldn't have been able to do it in a couple hours. Like most of the yeah. stuff back then, it was like either, either claymation stuff that was done. Like if you ever saw um, the Beastmaster or anything like that, where they did Medusa, I mean it was all it was all very oh, from, very like the original Clash of Titans style. Yes, 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 that was all done very different back then. And you said you had a second a second one yes, for a second part to this, but very if not the same, something very similar. So this next one, like I said, will just it more just backs up the first one, but. The time difference was, you know, years apart. I mean, almost like a little over a decade apart. But this is the one that it really, the first one stuck in the back of my head. And this one, it's almost like it's a part of your soul, if that makes any sense at all. But it goes like this. While I was working with the ambulance company over here, um, we usually did our thing. And we, you know, see some of the traumatic events that would happen from daily life, you know, some of the most unfortunate events that have happened, and sometimes even a lot of mysterious events. And this is what I usually have to fall into mysterious ones. But my partner and I were returning from taking someone to the hospital, and it was approximately about 1.30 in the morning. And unfortunately for us, our nearest hospital at the time was about an hour and a half drive away. So the only good thing that came from that was, besides them getting help, was that that was our time to have our break and have our treats. That's when we get to have, you know, the sugary drinks, you know, sodas, you know, some fast food, because we don't have that here. So that was our treat. So about one thing in the morning, we're coming back and we can hear a lot of radio traffic from, you know, the police and, you know, even a few fire department personnel. And we're just thinking something big happened in town. We're not exactly sure what, but we're guessing, you know, maybe like a, an explosion or, you know, or something had occurred. That's the first thing we thought of. 
so we pick up the pace you know we're trying to head back to town a little bit faster and so we started to we started to hear tra transitions that were more clear but nothing we were hearing was making sense i mean we keep hearing of a possible sighting you know occurring at the at the store or there is another positive sighting at the at the inn so you know my partner and i just looking at each other we could not figure out what's going on and unfortunately once we got of the town limits cell service is not that reliable so all we had was basically our readers at the time until we could find a spot to actually make a phone call so as we're going into town we can actually hear you know more details you know that there are confirmed sightings at the inn at the head start at the supermarket as well as the post office and another smaller grocery store which was near where we were coming in so at that time by the time we finally saw the our town lights that's when we noticed our radio traffic just stopped and it wasn't unusual to have a lot of people in town have scanners and they can hear the events going on and they're going to keep calling and panicking we understood that part so they switched over to a different channel which was perfectly fine but as we were coming into town the second story they mentioned was you know less than a mile away so we call ahead to our dispatchers and over the phone we can hear them that it was just chaos you can hear people in the background arguing you know talking about where to send you know someone over there to check these ones out these ones were already checked out we got to send these guys here but our dispatcher you know we just told him flat out hey we're gonna be here we're gonna go check out whatever's over here we're not sure what we're looking for and all they told us was yes look in the area and see what you can find for any, anything unusual and click that was it so we're not exactly sure if someone's armed and dangerous if someone's having a medical emergency if someone's having a baby if there's you know carbon monoxide we don't know and unfortunately in our neck of the woods we very rarely had the luxury of having someone else there to for those particular events i mean usually if we're called to show up we're usually the first so we play it safe we found a little grocery store that they uh, they talked about and of course we're in the ambulance so we had our floodlights and our spotlights and we're searching the side of the buildings and there's nothing there's no broken glass there's nothing no one on the inside you know it's it's like nothing so finally i got outside and told my partner stay in the unit just wait for me here and i had my little personal flashlight so i got out and i'm searching the back where the road doesn't go i'm searching the back areas and looking in the tall grass in that area and of course everything was through your mind at that time you're thinking you know possibly even a bear in this area you know mountain lion something predatorial so i'm being very cautious at this time but I searched over the whole building. I cannot find anything out of the ordinary. There's no broken windows. All the doors are locked. There's nothing in or around the building. So I get back to the ambulance. My partner has the window rolled down, but he's standing outside looking for me. So he searches the front. I search the back. We get back together, and I, I tell him, I was like, there's nothing here. So I'm not sure what we're supposed to be looking for. So we go inside. We're flashing inside the store, looking on the ground, you know, making sure... You know, no one's laying it that we couldn't find out, but there's nothing. So we said, okay, so we went back to the ambulance and we tried calling on the radio. No one's picking up. So I called again my cell phone and I did tell them, you know, said, hey, we're here. We checked around the area. We're not sure what we're looking for, but we can't find nothing. There's nothing here out of the ordinary. And chaos is still in, going on in their office. And they just said, okay, and hung up. So I told my partner, I was like, there's nothing more we can do. We have to, you know, just wait until they clear us from scene. It's like, we'll just stick around in the area. Which was perfectly fine since we had a additional EMS crews still at the station. 
but it was very surreal when we stepped outside the ambulance and there's a small guardrail that I was leaning against. I was having a cigarette break and I finally motioned for my partner to come with me. So I turned on our packs radios to listen. And I pointed out because it had a good vantage area over the, the visuals of town. And I told him, I said, look at this. And all you saw was uh, emergency lights flashing all over town. Police units are responding. Game and fish units are responding. The big fire engines going out and about. Multiple police units. And it honestly looked chaotic just to see them going all over town without any one real emergency that we knew of. And we just said, we don't know what's going on. So we figured it's probably a malfunction with the system itself. It's telling our dispatchers that there's emergencies, but there really isn't. So we're trying to be, you know, rational and logical about the whole event. But still, we have to wait because we do have our rules and our protocols to follow. So I finished my cigarette, we get back in the ambulance, we keep waiting, and about five minutes later, we heard the dispatcher openly say, you know, hey, just go ahead and clear from that scene, but come to our office immediately. Now that was unusual. So we said, okay. So we head back, we go in there, and I'm thinking, if they called in all of us public service personnel, it's gotta be major, it's gotta be something big. But as soon as I walked in, they told me this is, you know, it's informal, you know, this is just something so we can all get our communications back on right. So I said, okay, it's understandable, perfectly fine. So we sit down for the little meeting and everyone started to describe their events, what they had responded to and the chief complaints that they had all received. And the first one to go was a Game and Fish officer who said he had responded to one of the troll sightings that was supposedly at the post office. And by this time, since we weren't in town to witness the first part of it, we figured this was a joke. So I'm trying to hold back a sneaker that kind of got out of there and I'm just like, well, I said, I'm sorry, but go ahead and continue. The next one was a, a pair of uh, police officers. One was new, one was a veteran. They were riding together and they had responded to the event at the supermarket, which did have a cracked window. And I kept saying, okay, are they serious? This is what we were responding to in town. So it started to go all the way down, down the road and everything. The next person would tell them, the next person would tell them, the fire department would tell what they were responding to. And then it went all the way around the table until it got to us. And I said, we're not exactly sure what we were looking for. We missed the first half of the event. We just happened to hear the traffic and overheard the, the store, which we were close by. So we stopped and looked over the event, but we found nothing to report. It was untouched. So they just rushed over our, you know, our report and kept right along. Then it ended with that and we, we took off from there. And I pulled aside the, one of the higher ranking PD officers. And I said, is, was this for real? What they just had a meeting of? And he says, yeah, don't worry about it. It's just very informal. I said, besides, I don't think anyone's going to believe us after what happened tonight. And I kind of looked at him and smiled. I was like, do you believe what happened here tonight? He goes, about the event? No. But what I saw, I'll get back to you on that. And I said, wow, okay. Because he's usually a hard skeptic. If it's not in front of him, it doesn't exist. I mean, if he's looking at the ground his whole life, he won't believe there's a sky. He is just a very hard skeptic. So my partner and I go back to our station. We had the ambulance out there, clean it off the rest of it, restock the items that we use for that particular that particular transport. And I went outside to have another cigarette. And he followed me. He doesn't smoke, but he followed me. And we were just kind of talking amongst ourselves, saying, did we actually, you know, go through this event tonight? I mean... 
We've seen some crazy things, yeah, but to have it to this scale was, it was unheard of. It never happened to that level. So we went over everything that we talked about and all over everything we witnessed at the, the grocery store. And I told him, the only thing that stuck out to me on that one was just the dolls he had on display. Because we knew the store owner, you know, most of our lives. So we usually knew everything he stocked in the store. And a lot of it was a lot of vintage things, which were great for, you know, having sodas with the real sugar, you know, not the high fructose corn syrup. So he had a lot of good stuff. But very rare did he have anything. It was very rare for him to have anything that we weren't aware of. It's not impossible, but it was rare. So we were talking about it, and I was like, those dolls were the one thing that kind of gave me the creeps. And he, he said that's the first thing that caught his eye. It was just a doll standing near the front window. And then we said, yeah, it's like, it, you know, there are things you don't really witness. I mean, something bright red, you know, real heavy on the facial features and the facial hair. It looked so tiny and just so out of place and so weird. I mean, we have nothing like that in our area. So we kind of chuckled about that. So that's the only thing that threw me off. And then they kind of clicked in both of our heads. Were they really supposed to be there? So once we had that, I guess our minds think that we had that same thought. I put on my cigarette, we jumped back in our ambulance and went back to the same store. So this time we got close enough, I hit my floodlights, I put my spotlights out. And those dolls that we witnessed were gone. And I know we looked like idiots, just arguing back and forth for like 10 minutes, just shouting at each other that the dolls were there. Looking back on it, yeah, we were idiotic just to be screaming that to each other, but we we couldn't make sense of that. So since we got back in our ambulance, we just said, do we inform the rest of them or, or what? We just don't know. I said, well, let's confirm this first before we make any assumptions. So we said, okay. We went back to the station, got everything ready for the next call, you know, kind of let the next crew uh, inform them what was going on because they weren't dispatched to anything you know they kind of might have stayed at the station while the rest of them investigated so we said okay well our shift ended the next morning at about 8 a.m which you know we usually overslept and got up and you know got everything ready so we left the station at about 10 in the morning and so i told my partner i was like you know what so let's go back to the store and we'll ask the owner about it so it's a good idea so he just jumped in with me went back to the store and we talked with the owner and like I said, we, we knew him for years. He, he's a great guy. So we asked him about it. And I was like, when the heck did you get those dolls? I mean, they kind of creeped us out coming back last night. And he just gave me the most confused look and says, Buddy, I've never had toys of that size ever in my shop. He goes, what you see in that little toy rack in the corner? That's essentially all I ever had. You know, the little plastic pool tables, you know, the little... Barbie-like figures that were only about three inches high, you know, a lot of the Hot Wheels cars and, you know, plastic animal, farm animals and everything. The generic stuff, but that's what he had. And once we described him, we're like, it was in the corner right by that window. It was maybe about 16 or 18, 18 inches tall, like a collector's item kind of a doll. But it looked so deformed and disfigured like bright red skin like beady yellow eyes a lot of hair around the mustache and chin almost like a lion's mane all the way around the head just real shaggy so it didn't look right 
that finally he kind of puts his hands on the counter and says, Buddy, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have never seen that. But if you claim that you saw it in my shop, I did not put that there. Then I said, okay, but aren't you the one that called it in for a sighting? He says, no. He goes, I don't know who called about it. I did not know any of this had actually happened. But I don't know what more to tell you. So since my partner and I were inside the store, we went back to the spot where it was standing. But, I mean, we couldn't find anything at all other than just what we remembered. So we just kind of put up our hands and went out to go get something to eat after that. But we just talked about the whole event. And he kept, same questions being repeated. You know, you, you really saw that. Are you sure? Did it have this? You know, are you sure you see it? And I'm like, yes, you saw it too. But at the initial time we had witnessed it, it wasn't something we were looking for. We were looking for someone that was down and out. But unfortunately, the store hasn't been open in recent years. But almost every time I go by, I still find myself looking in the store, trying to see if I can find that, that little thing again. And I can't say for sure if it was or if it wasn't, but it was just something that I guess it had to be witnessed to believe. But I'll end this one right here because there's not much more information I can give on that event. That's pretty creepy. I mean, and the fact that you and your partner saw it. So it's not like, I mean, you had ver you had verifiable witness with you. Where I'm from, there's there's very few things that are considered like cryptid, paranormal. Um, you know, your Bigfoots and stuff like that. I'm not one to believe a whole lot of fey folk and stuff like that. Some things that people say they see around here or, or are around here in our area. So I live in Pennsylvania and right along the Susquehanna River, there apparently used to be little people. Um, but it, it was more along like the Bigfoot type, but they were small. They're called the Albatwitch. And there's local legend and lore about that. But that, as far as I know, is the only little people that have been in our area. So it's interesting to hear other people's stories. It almost sounds like, like gremlins, like from the movie Gremlin. In hindsight, you know, we would have focused more attention on that. But, you know, like I said, the vague information that we were given at the time, you know, we were looking for, you know, like a medical emergency, someone else, you know, or something with larger, you know, bare mountain lion. You know, we never once thought to look at the inventory. Right. And we never, we never thought about it until, you know, at that time it was almost an hour later. And unfortunately, I never got the descriptions from the police officers that supposedly seen something else at that time. The only information I know about that evening was it was witness at the supermarket and apparently it was strong enough to break one of the, the entrance windows near the front door. But that's about the extent of the information that I got about that evening. That's crazy, though. Like, it, it basically had your whole town looking for it. Mm -hmm. That is that is crazy. But it's a testament to somebody saw something and then how many other people saw it or, you know, were involved in looking for it. So there's legitimacy there. Hey there, I'm Tony Palacio, host of There Is Something Out There, a new podcast dedicated to true crime, the mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. 
From the beautiful Pacific Northwest, home of Bigfoot and some of America's most notorious serial killers, I'm going to present to you the world's worst crimes, scariest monsters, strangest stories, tall tales, and totally terrifying testimonials. Join me as we discover that the noises you hear may not just be your imagination. There is something out there. You can find me wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, including Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. Thank you. Like what you're hearing so far? Make sure to never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. All right, and you said you had a fourth one. Yes, I do. And you know what? I think tonight I'll give you one extra just because it coincides with the stories. Okay. This next one I'll keep along with the cryptid side. And just what we described, yeah, it's the Bigfoot side. And this was more recent to me anyway, but about two years back, I was actually training one of the newbies. And she was already an EMT with some experience, but lacked more of the confidence in her own abilities. And of course, at the time, I've already been here for 15 years. You know, a majority of everything you can do out in the field, you know, I've done it. You know, deliver babies, you know, shock someone with your favorite later, you know, start IVs and give, you know, sugar to bring someone unconscious back and things like that and that's something that she hadn't really done at that point one day we responded to this guy and i was like yeah it's it's one of the need to be taken to the hospital you know but nothing will make it's more precautionary than more than anything else so she volunteered she goes you know can i watch him and do everything else and i said yeah i said you know anything more progresses like you let me know about it and i'll take over whenever you don't feel right so I'm getting her confidence level back up and I'm like, hey, I haven't driven an ambulance in a very long time because I was usually the one in the back. So it was refreshing for me. So I'm enjoying my time and getting behind the wheel and starting to drive. And this occurred approximately about 11.30 in the evening when we started from here. So we started heading to the hospital and roughly about 30 minutes later, we leave an area of the flatlands and start going into the deep canyons. And then the only real precautionary things we have with this canyon is, you know, we've had rock slides and a couple of animals that end up falling pretty close to the ambulance. So we just wanted to take precautionaries and you've driven that road enough times, it just becomes second nature. So I'm just taking my time and, you know, trying to get us there in a safety manner, just going through the curves and everything. And uh, when I got to a spot that before we start getting out of the canyon, start climbing out the, the west side of it, you have to cross the bridge. And unfortunately, right at that bridge was the only time in my life I can honestly say that I saw a bipedal, extremely large humanoid cryptid. I've heard the stories. I've heard the descriptions. I possibly may have seen something similar before. But it was usually in the shadows or far away, and I couldn't make heads or tails of it, so I couldn't be sure. This one, I can. It was maybe no more than 20 feet off the paved road. With no real covering, there was no trees or nothing. It actually went down a little incline to where a cattle fence was posted. But as soon as my headlights hit it, 
it seems like it just froze. I saw the eye shine just came back to me. And when I first seen it, I slammed on my brakes. Since I'm in an ambulance, I had the luxury of spotlights and floodlights. I hit everything. I slowed the ambulance down to maybe 20, maybe 15 miles per hour. I was just creeping when I seen it. And I was doing my best to burn that image into my head. And it did, and I used the fence as a marker from where it was standing to give an approximate height about it. And I'm watching the reflective eyes. I can see the teeth. And I can see the broad shoulders going down more of a muscular frame, but... It's something I've never expected. I mean, I've driven that road a million times. You know, our closest town, our closest city is in that direction. So I was always traveling that road. And this was the only time I've ever seen this. But it was enough to make me slow down, freeze, kind of look at this thing for as long as I possibly could. And on one hand, I wanted to stop, get my partner, you know, even get the patient to try and witness what it was I was seeing. But unfortunately, the EMT in me was the one who realized it's not good to excite anyone like that. So I had to reframe. So as it slowly turned the curve, I had to watch it. And I kept watching, and I kept watching it. Until it was completely out of sight, and that head just followed the lights. Just followed me all the way until we... So I had to make the turn, I couldn't see it any longer. So then finally, on the other side of the bridge, I turned off my floodlights and my spotlight, and... I just kind of sat there, and I'm doing my best to rationalize what it is I saw. And I am thinking of anything and everything to possibly fit the description of what it was. I mean, down to the point of a deformed bear that somehow learned to walk on its hind legs with opposable thumbs and lost its snout. I'm thinking of everything. But nothing made sense. I mean, I had to snap back into my job and what I was doing. But it just festered in the back of my head. So I'm keeping an eye out for, you know, animals on the road and, you know, other traffic and other hazards. But I get us down to the hospital. And we do a normal routine, you know take the patient inside, give her reports. So I'm the one cleaning the, the stretcher and, you know, restocking the equipment, mopping out the back and everything. So my partner finally comes out and I'm giving her tips, you know, hey, she did a good job, you know, everything went perfect, you know, that when she gets off on her own, you know, she'll have the confidence level to, you know, to really take care of some patients, which she was excited for. But when we started to make the curve out of the ambulance, I finally told her, I was like, I said, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you this. And I told her, I was like, you know when we slowed down? She says, yeah. She goes, isn't that where, you know, an animal ran in front of us? And I said, no. I was like, this was something much, much different. So I gave her the descriptions of what I saw standing, you know, just off the road. But she was so nonchalant. And I kept telling her, I don't know what this was. And she just looks at me, oh, it's Bigfoot. You just saw Bigfoot. And of course, I'm looking at her so confused, like, that's the first place your mind went? And I'm like, I'm trying to think of everything logically. Finally, she had to snap me out of it and say, hey, you know what you saw. 
did it have this? And I'm like, no, did it have this? No. Well, then it's not this. And she was just going down the list. And then she finally went down. If it walks like a duck, looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. But tonight, you saw Bigfoot. And I was just, you know, stunned and dumbfounded. But, you know, like I said, it, it really got the pulse racing when they have someone else to verify it. They didn't even see it. But I, we stopped and we got dinner and everything else. And, and on the way back, I went across the same bridge and I stopped in the middle of the bridge. And I uh, turned the ambulance and pointed into that direction and I hit my high beams. And I told her, I said, this is where it was standing. So of course she looks at me nonchalant again, do you want to get off and look for tracks? And I said, no, 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 no. And I said, you know, I'm a pretty big boy, but this thing is massive. I mean, very, very massive. Then I pointed out where the head was above the second railing. Then I pointed down to where its feet was below the first. And I said, ballpark from here, we're looking at about 11 feet tall. And I said, and it's, it's dumbfounding to me. And of course she's asking me, you know, was it the first time you've ever seen it? I said, I've seen, I've seen some things I can either confirm or deny. It's just an event that happened. I can't say for sure. But that was the one time I can say yes. Without doubt, that's what I saw. And the more I told the story, the more I hear other people have similar encounters in that specific area, too, that I never knew about. And the earliest one that I heard about going back was going back to 1991. I said that when that this occurred, you know, it was just very unusual, to say the least. But that's where I can end this one. So you, you technically, you didn't stop. Obviously, you had a, a patient, but it didn't, it, it more or less just kind of froze where it was and just watched you the whole time. Mm hmm. There was almost no effort to, to move or get out of the way. It just stood there. And once the lights first about it, because that's how initially I seen it, was I saw like a shrug. And it's not the first time that I've seen, you know, like when you spook an elk or a deer, you know, it'll do the same thing. You know, it kind of will do that shrug and then it freezes. Yep. Deer in headlights. And that's, yeah. That's the first thing I thought of was, you know, elk because they're so numerous in this area. And, you know, a few of my colleagues have taken out already some, even with an ambulance. And I did not want to be one of them. So I slowed down. But the closer I got, that's when I got into detail that this was no elk. Now, had you believed in Bigfoot before you saw it? Before that, I believed in the possibility of it. I mean, like I said, I've had similar experiences growing up where, you know, I can see almost like a bear where that I saw that had five humanoid hands moving oak brushes away, but it was up on a hillside. So could I say for sure it was or it wasn't? I don't know. Then, of course, I've seen a humanoid figure standing in the shadows that looks massive. And I'm thinking, you know, this is it's nothing. It's an optical illusion. But then the optical illusion begins to walk away from me, you know, in the still in the silhouette where you have lights in the background and it's walking in front of me. But there again, I didn't see it with the lights on it. I can't say for sure. So I said, I believe in the possibility of it. But I, I really couldn't before before this event. And now anyone wants to talk to me about it, I'm like, no, I believe you. Because I've seen it.
Yeah, I, I think uh, anybody that sees it, there's no denying what you're seeing. I mean, most people know what a bear is, and not very often do you see a bear walking on two feet or two legs. So, and just the sheer size. I'm assuming there's bear in your area. Oh, yes. Is we it, have quite a good population of black bear in our area. Grizzlies have not been seen in our area, you know, for over more than 100 years. So it's not an impossibility. Like I said, that was one of my rational thoughts I was trying to put to it. But like I said, the snout wasn't there, you know. I've never seen those features on a bear before, even with opposable thumbs. It, it just wasn't there that I can see as far as it being a bear. And most of our black bears in this area, even standing up, will stand about between five, five and a half feet tall. The sun was almost, well, it was double the size of it. Now, did you get a good look at the face? I mean, I know, obviously, you were moving. Mm -hmm. But how human-like did it look in the face as opposed to, like, monkey-ish? I mean, could you tell? From what I remember seeing that night, it was more... Or of monkey's side more than humanoid itself. The eye shine is one thing that kind of gave it away that this was not human. But then, when I seen the, like I said, there was no snout, was a browser looking for the nose features, was more of a monkeyish, more of that that flat kind of a incline of a of a monkey, more so than the point in the shape of a human. I said, and almost like you could picture monkeys when threatening will always show and bare their teeth and that's exactly what this one did well, that sounds like a very awesome experience though i mean not for you as person driving and probably scared the crap out of you but just to be able to see something like that and know what you saw in hindsight yes it was because i'm in an ambulance that functioned properly so yeah it was great now, had it been walking on foot, it would have been, you know, much more traumatic. But since then, I've had to respond in that canyon a couple of more times. And, of course, my crew knows exactly what, what I saw. And so we're, they're in there now. Now they're, you know, more cautious. And we've heard other things in that canyon, but we've never actually seen it. So this is the first time that I can say, that, yeah, we or I've put a face to the, to the things I'm sure was making all those noise before hearing the unusually large growling from something bigger than a bear. You know, to hear the knocking that goes on in the woods down that way. You know, to see the boulders get thrown upwards rather than just falling off a mountain. You know, there's a lot of things that we've seen, but we couldn't say for sure what they were. All right, and is, is that your last one, or did you have one more? No, I have one more. Okay. And I'll make this one the final one for this session anyway. Okay. Hopefully we'll speak more about it later on. But this one is going to be the one that actually caught your interest. And keeping in tone with my EMS stories, and this is going to be, you know, the final one, my one of the scariest events in my life. But years ago, when I was still a fresh EMT, and of course, you still, you know, were green, still excited about the job. Once you learn, you know, some of the skills and everything, you think you can save everyone. So I was teamed up with another one of my mentors. And he was pretty cool. He's pretty laid back, very chill, and, you know, didn't take a lot of things seriously. So, but he was an excellent teacher, and that's why I can see him a great mentor. So anyway, he's the one who always informed me what was going on. You know, when I first came to work with the department, you know, he told me, hey, you know, there's a ghost over here. 
you know, kind of prepared. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And of course, I'm like everyone else, huh? Yeah, sure. But he never lied about it. And which is why I have a lot of respect for him. So anyway, one evening, we responded to a, to a call, you know, outside of town. And it came in as someone sick. So we figured, okay, you know, normal routine, you know, we'll check them out. You know, if it gets pretty bad, you know, we'll take them to the hospital. And since he was higher ranked than me at the time, and I didn't have my license to practice medicine on my own as of yet, he didn't have trust but to take everyone, which is fine by me. I was younger, I was more awake, I can drive, that was fine. So we get on scene, and once we do, I mean, there's red lights everywhere. And we saw game and fish officers, we saw police units, and I'm pretty sure there was even a supervisor, firefighter SUV there. But as soon as we pulled up, you know, we get our equipment and everything, we were greeted at the at the driveway, and then there, a PD officer and a given fish officer come up to us, and the only thing they told us was just be prepared. So my partner and I are thinking, oh, great, you know, there's probably going to be someone that's already passed in there. We just got to confirm, you know, or something traumatic is what we're really thinking. So by the time I get to the front door, I can already hear, you know, another female in the background just crying and screaming and wailing. I couldn't make out what she was saying, but you know, obviously scared and angry. So we walk in and we're directed by other PD officers to the back bedroom. So we said, okay, make your way to the back. And of course you can see that everyone's in the hallway, which is a very tiny hallway. I mean, two of us big guys can barely get by and all of them are standing in the hallway. So once we get closer, they open up the door for us. And the first thing I noticed was just this low red glow. I mean, it, it looked dark red more toward the floor than it did the ceiling. And as soon as we walked in, it was like a scene out of the movie The Exorcist, just not in a bright bedroom, but more of a real dark red room. And at the first sighting of that, I mean, your stomach is instantly in knots. And that's where mine was. And my veteran partner just stops. And all I hear him go is, oh boy. But he walks in. And I figured as long as he's aware of what's going on, I should be okay. So I just followed his lead. And as soon as we got close enough to to the, uh, the bed, like I said, there was a very young female. I'm guessing not even the double digits in age, but very close to. But... She was there with her wrists tied down to the bedpost. But the rest of her is floating at almost a full nine inches off the mattress. There's none of her body parts are actually touching the bed itself. She's just levitating. I never seen this before in my life besides the movies. I'm a huge horror bluff and I used to watch it since I was a kid, but this was no movie. And I'm looking at my partner and he's still trying to do the best he, he, care he can as a, as a medic. You know, he's trying to take the vital signs and trying to do everything else about. And I'm just standing out, taking his notes, whatever he says, I'm writing down. So then finally we get our equipment and he just kind of tells me, you know, let, let's go, let's get out of here. And I figured that's it, we're done. So we walk outside into the, to the hallway and he just gives me his equipment and says, put it back in the, put it back in the ambulance. I got to call. I said, okay, perfectly fine. 
So I put everything back away in the ambulance, and I'm just still kind of shaking up about it. But when I'm way back, he's on the phone, he's talking, he's talking to someone. And the only thing I can hear out of his mouth for then is, I don't know what to do with this one. No, no, this is it, and this is what I do. No, no, no. And that's all I hear, you know, from a couple of cars away, that's all I can make out. Well, eventually, I uh, talk with one of the PD officers, and I'm like, what did you guys get out here for? And they said, we got the same thing you did. We just happened to be next door. So we came straight over, and what we saw is what you guys see. So we have no background about this. The only one who witnessed the whole thing was the female inside that was crying and screaming, but that's all she's doing is crying and screaming. She will not answer anything logically. So we said, okay. So my partner finally comes to me and says, all right, get out the stretcher. And I'm looking at him like, are you serious? And he repeats himself, you know, with more authoritative figures. He says, hey, get the stretcher. And I was like, yes, sir. So I went back, got a stretcher, rolled it back into him. Both of us take it inside and back into the back bedroom. As close as we can, we can't get the stretcher inside the bedroom. Because the walls are too close together, the stretcher is too big and bulky. So we're like, we are going to have to move her from the bed to the stretcher. But how do we do that when someone who's not even on the bed? So we said, okay, so the closer we got to the patient, that's all we're thinking is we're going to have to untie her on the wrist and then apply the soft restraints because we don't know what the heck's going on. We don't know if she's just going to float away or maybe that's what's holding up. She's going to fall like a rock. We don't know. So we finally had to cut the ropes off at the bedpost and yeah, she didn't move. She just stayed right there at the same level that we first seen her in. So all of us grab a corner, grab a limb, try to move over and it's like you're just pushing a helium balloon that's been deflated and just hovering above the ground. That's the best description I can give at that point. It was like you can just push her and she'll blow. And she would mortar her down almost perfect where the stretcher was. Then we just moved her on top. From there we applied the soft restraints and put her back down. More or less just to keep her over the stretcher. But unfortunately what, uh, what happened next was... It's the one thing that seats the fear in anyone's soul. I just seen this little girl open up her eyes and white out. There's no pupils, you know, no around anything that you can see in there. You, you can't see anything of that, just white. She let out this real loud but a low grumble that sounded like she was talking but everyone that heard that just cleared out of the hallway and I do not blame them in the least. So, you know, I'm at the foot end, my partner's near near her head. So we're finally extend the stretcher. We pull her out and it almost looks like half of her's touching the stretcher, the bottom half of them going close to the one toward the end, she's still off of it. So we're basically just pulling her on the stretcher, getting her outside, get her loaded into the ambulance. So by this time, because obviously, you know, someone under age, you have to have a family member. So the only one that happened to show up on scene after the event jumped in there and you can hear them crying, screaming, you know, praying and everything. My partner jumps in the back, but also a game and fish officer and a PD officer just 
for scene safety should it come down to that. And fortunately for me, I wasn't the one in the back dealing with it. I was the one behind the wheel. So as soon as everyone got in, I closed one of the, I ended up closing the back doors, making sure everything's locked. We have all our equipment and everything, and you know let our dispatchers know we're going to be, you know, transporting and everything, and we did everything as normal. And every once in a while, I can still hear that low grumble. What happens when that little girl tries to speak? Then I can hear, you know, the family member that showed up on scene still crying and screaming, you know, continuously praying harder, praying harder. And I could hear my partner, you know, asking for equipment and, you know, other things to to monitor her. And this time, you know, I hit my lights and try to get the stereo a little bit better, you know, make sure I watch it for a little bit safer and everything. And even though I was going a little above speed limit at the time, you know, it still feels like it took forever. All the way to when we got down to the hospital and I can't hear much of what's going on in the back as I throw my gloves. And I have to get out and open the back door so I can let everyone out. And that's the one I got. remember just seeing my hands start shaking from this one. When I put my gloves on and open up the back doors to the ambulance. But as soon as I did, she was not levitating anymore. She was on the stretcher. She was covered with the blanket. Like I've seen them, you know, hundreds, you know, if not thousands of patients all in that same position. That's exactly how she was. It was like there was nothing out of the ordinary this time. So I said, okay, I can, I can deal with this. I can deal with this. So take her out the stretcher. My partner is the one that gets out. And then we take her inside the ER and everything. The officers escort us inside. And once you give a report, you know, they do the sightings. And even before I left that area, because I had to go clean our equipment, I can hear the doctor saying, well, why did you bring her down? And I remember my partner saying, you're not going to believe this doc. But, and here on the story, as I wheeled away and I couldn't hear any more details. But I cleaned the, the equipment and everything that we had. I went back inside the ambulance and mopped up and cleaned up like I normally would do. And then as soon as I did that, my partner just came back in and, you know, closes the passenger door and he's sitting there with me. And I'm looking at him and I said, is everything okay? He says, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's, go. Let's just get out of here. And I said, okay. So... We head up back to town, but before that, you know, of course, we had to gas up and get some of our munchies and get some food. And by this time, you know, he chilled a little more. He's able to eat and everything. Let's see, we got all the way back to the office, and of course, we picked up some uh, more food for our other coworkers at the time. So we're handing it out and just enjoying it. And they had no clue about what happened with uh, our event. And, you know, it's, you know, common to, hey, everything go good, you know, common courteous to we watch out for one another. You know, kind of ask about how we're doing and everything's okay. But he would not speak of it. Not till that evening, about 11 o'clock when, you know, other ones already went to bed. You know, I'm still up because I didn't want to close my eyes at that, that point in time. But finally, he calls me back in and that's when we opened up about it. He says, hey, you know, what's going on? What did you see? You know, what's going on? What's going on? The reports. I'm like, okay, so we relived the event once more. And the only thing I told him, I was like, well, did you ever wipe off your shoes? And he says, what? He goes, yeah. I said, I noticed when we're taking her out of there, there was something on the ground that was in the shape of some circles. It's covered by the bed. I don't know what's on it. You know, possibly one of the magical circles that they use. I don't know. But there was some substance on the floor that I had to wipe off when we got outside. 
So when I told him that, he spent the next 20 minutes just wiping his boots and dragging them across the dirt and, you know, washing them down, you know, taking them off and putting them over the sink. He's just cleaning the heck out of them. But we relived the event and we did the report. And that, as soon as we sent a report and put it away for our boss, he just told me, he says, if we don't have to, I am not going to talk about this. I just looked at him and was like, okay. And to this day, to this word, we've never spoke about it. When you said walking into the room, it was like a red color. Was it the lighting that lit it up like that? Or was it the actual room was painted like a red? I would say it's a combination of both. Because it honestly looked like the walls were unusually dark. Like someone just painted them pitch black. Gotcha. But then there was almost like a little lamp inside the bed that actually had a red, um, a red colored bulb inside of it. And I'm pretty sure that's what was on the ceiling as well. Because it was letting off some light, but not a lot. The only brightest things that came out of the room were the candles that were on the bed. Or um, on the floor next to the bed. Could you see if there was any kind of like ritualistic stuff being done in the room like prior to you getting there? I'm assuming that's what the candles would have been for. That's the only thing I could think about as far as the candles being there. As well as what looked like one of the magical circles. Whether or not it's a pentagram with friends or anything else, I don't know, but it resembled something very similar, and that's what was on the floor. That's what had like that blackish material, almost like ash, that was on the floor that I was really wiping off when we got out of the house. And then, did you ever find anything out afterwards? Like, you know, when the, the girl came out of it, was it just kind of like she snapped out of it, or was it like, um. No, once we dropped her off at the hospital, I. My partner is usually only one that can do a follow-up, the, the head EMT for those kind of calls. So they can usually come back in and she can follow up mostly for, you know, like training purposes or anything else they, they would need or to call up the docs. However, in this case, I was not part of that one. And the head ENT, like I said, he, he didn't want to speak about it. He did not want to know. And unfortunately, I personally never saw the family or the patient since. I honestly have no idea what happened with them. That is... But I have been back to that house, and someone else knew lives there. That's definitely a freaky situation to walk into. That is a life-changing situation to walk into, especially if if you question anything of the supernatural and to see someone levitating, that is crazy. And this like of woods, a lot of things are typically taboo whenever it involves anything dark, and whatever goes along the lines of you know witchcraft, the sometimes of anything that has to do that, you know, Catholic or Catholicism will you know, be considered heresy, whether it's even the local um, the local traditional things of our Native American tribes in the area, you know, there's almost something I could say about each one that I can almost bear witness to. But I was I was raised right half and half of that, you know, Christianity as well as our traditional beliefs within the area for the Native Americans. So, you know, I can honestly say I've seen both sides of it. But this is one of the first ones that they just completely took me off guard. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. You have some very frightening experiences, and I'm sure a lot of the people will enjoy hearing them. Um, and, you know, when you get your, your book together, reach out or I'll reach out to you and we'll have you back on and we'll do this again. Oh, yeah. There's 
like I said, some of the stories that I share tonight will be in them because it's a collection that I have of just everything almost repetitive or I've personally experienced We usually go into those books. So all I got to do is just finish them and hopefully get them out there for everyone else to read. Yeah, I think uh, I think you'd have a lot of people that would be interested in it. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Stuff of Nightmares podcast. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about today's topic, you can check out our sources in the show notes on Facebook and our website at www.thestuffofnightmares.show. Like, share, and follow us on Facebook, as well as subscribe and give us a positive review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have an experience that you would like to share with the show, you can either email me to admin at thestuffofnightmarespodcast.show or message me through Facebook. I am your host, Rick Ness. I will see you next episode where I hope to find out what keeps you up at night. <laughs>